0: Hi guys, I'm Kennedy. This is Ailee. We, (laughs) we are both of the college residents this year and we absolutely love it. And so just like that video showed and told you a little bit about what the residency looks like, it's a year that's just gonna prepare you for whatever comes after that year. And so applications are already open. The QR code is on the screen. I advise y'all if you don't really know what you might be doing after graduation, this is a great option. So interviews are gonna be happening very soon. I would scan the QR code.
1: Yes, the residency is fun. 10 out of 10, recommend. Um, Yeah, I'm Ailee. Our next announcement for you guys, actually it's for you ladies. Um, We are going to be taking some of y'all to If Gathering on March 4th and 5th. Um, So it seems like it's really far away, uh, but we only have room for 16 women. And so this is a weekend down in Dallas. Um, We are going to be staying at a hotel, driving down in the the nice suburbans, and um, just spending a weekend uh, worshiping and learning more about discipleship, um, being equipped, and learning more about the Lord. Um, It's going to be a really, really sweet time of fellowship to just hang out with one another. Um, They're going to have some incredible speakers. So Jenny Allen hosts this thing. She is wonderful. Um, so Jenny Allen's going to be there, um, Jonathan Picluda, Jefferson Bethke, um, Jackie Hill Perry. So tons of wonderful speakers that are going to be there um, that we can learn from and just hang out and get to know one another more. So um, yeah, scan the QR code, um, sign up. It'll be super fun. Um, if you guys have any questions, Kennedy and I would love to answer them for you. So come talk to us after.
0: Okay, also, you can see that it is Christmas in fellowship. So next week, we want to advise y'all to wear ugly Christmas sweaters. We're gonna have like a photo booth again and some Christmas treats before we send y'all home for Christmas. So wear your ugly Christmas sweaters, or they can be cute Christmas sweaters, um, next week to the college service.
1: Yeah, Um, well, if y'all would bow your heads with me and so we can pray before service. Uh, Father God, you are so, so kind and so good to us. Lord, we thank you for just, um, yeah, you bringing every single one of these people into this room tonight. Um, God, we pray that you would be working on our hearts, that you would be softening our hearts and that we would just be willing to hear what you have to speak to us. And so God, I just pray that um, you would be with the worship team, um, with our tech team. Lord, we thank you for them. Um, we pray that you would be with Josh as he's speaking. Maybe um, It may be your words and not his, Lord. So um, we just thank you. We thank you for this time of year to just reflect on um, your son and all that he did for us, Lord. So it's in his name that we pray, amen.
0: Y'all stand and worship with us.
2: Sunday night. Um, come on. <laughs> um, my name's Isaiah. If you guys don't know me, um, but I'm really excited that we get to worship together tonight. Um, yeah, that's really all I all I got to say. I'm really, really, really pumped and excited. So, um, as we continue in worship tonight, um, I encourage you guys, um, wherever you wherever you're at tonight. I know some of you guys are like finals are looming. I know some of y'all are in here like, I have four assignments due at midnight. Like, I did not do them and I'm about to pay the price. Um, I know some of y'all are in here, because that was me. Um, but just for a moment, can we be still, put those things to the side and just worship tonight. Yeah. Tonight, no matter what you came in here with, the Lord is here to meet with you for whatever needs you have, whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through. And tonight, whatever posture that looks like. Uh, For me, sometimes it's putting my hands out and simply being like, God, I I got nothing to give, uh, but I'm here for whatever you have for me. So Lord, I receive whatever you have. Maybe spread your hands wide and uh, God, I surrender to you. Or maybe it's take a knee uh, and just sit in his presence tonight. Whatever that posture looks like for each of us, God. So let's sing, let's sing and engage with the Lord tonight. through time of confession uh, tonight. And as we enter into this Advent season, I'm reminded of this Sunday we talked about peace and Mary's peace even in spite of the implications of her bearing Jesus, our our coming Savior. And the story goes really that an angel came to Mary and essentially told that, Mary, you're you're favored, you're favored, you're gonna bear son of man. Uh, And that's both great news, but also really stressful for her. Uh, There's a lot of cultural implications for really what could happen to her, uh, but rather uh, she decides to trust in the Lord and to have peace with where she's at. And the story goes, we know it well, right? Joseph and Mary, they go to Bethlehem and they find themselves at an end and they're turned away. That's mirrored later in life of Jesus where um, his own people, the Jews, turn him away as well and say, you're not the coming Savior that we thought. I think sometimes when I hear that story, I'm like, I've heard it time and time again. I kind of view myself as like a third party. But I think if you really look at the story a little little more critically, we find that really, we're the ones that turned uh, Jesus and his family away. We're the same ones, really, that would have said Jesus he crucified and sent him to the cross, and we got to confess of that. Maybe it's just maybe it's just me in the room, but uh, tonight I really have some things, and I got to lay before the Lord. I'll just be honest with you guys. Um, some things I just gotta say, God. Here I am. Here's here's what I'm walking through, and I know some of you guys are the same way tonight. So I'll give you guys just a moment. Just ask the Lord, Lord, see my heart tonight. Whatever I have where I'm going through all that I've done, God. I pray that you would see me through and through. And and I confess all that I am to me. Let's take a moment now. we know that rather than mirror us, God chose to give everything for a broken people, to give his son to us, to pay a price that we deserved so that we we could once again have a relationship with the Father. And that's really, really awesome news for us. That no matter what we've given to the Lord, no matter what we come in here with, no matter what we lay before him, that he's not gonna turn us away, but he's gonna draw us in and draw us near once again. That's really great news for us. So as we turn to hear from Matthew, I pray that we would let the word search us to.
3: Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, for from you shall come a ruler who who will shepherd my
2: people Israel.
3: All right, y'all can have a seat. I'm gonna ask y'all to do something a little bit different tonight, something that you probably aren't used to, especially in like a church setting. Okay, but I think it's going to be good for us, okay? I'm going to ask you to like actually respond to a few things. And like I don't want to hear like the kind of like timid like church responses. Like I want you to pretend like nobody else is in the room, like it's just me and you, and I want you to like tell me how you really feel. Don't give me the like, you know, the Instagram version. I want the real you of how you feel about these guys, okay? I'm going to put a, a few guys up on the screen. And I I really want to hear like where you're at, okay? So here's the first one, okay? LeBron James, do we like him? Do we like this guy? Who thinks he's the greatest basketball player of all time? Who thinks he, you guys are wrong by the way, MJ. Who thinks he's kind of soft? Can I say that here? Like, like, oh, I'm going to go tattle on the refs to get these fans kicked out? Are you kidding me? He's a, right? Who here could not care less about LeBron James? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, here's the next one. Kanye West. Do we like him? Do we like him? Right? Who here thinks his his music is just pure genius, just incredible, creative, talented? Who, if you're being honest, thinks like he he's kind of kind of weird? kind of crazy, I don't know if I can really trust him, like, I don't know what he's gonna do next. And who here doesn't care at all about Kanye West? Okay, okay, wow, everyone cares about Kanye, I like that. Okay, again, remember, no filter, y'all have done great so far, no filter. What about this guy? Okay, okay. Wow. Okay. Thank you for, for no, not giving any filter. Anyone bold enough to say like, hey, I like this guy. I think he's a good president. Nobody. Thank you. Thank you. I know what the rest of y'all think. Anyone not care at all. Okay. Okay. Thank, guys, thank you. This is a good exercise for all of us. Just to be fair. What about this guy? I should have known. I should have known where I was, the Midwest, okay? Do we like him? Who likes him? Who doesn't? Who doesn't care? Awesome. Guys, I'm really impressed with y'all. Thank you. I thought I was going to really have to pull some of that out of you, but you guys did great. Here's the reason we, we even put those guys up there it, tend, it seems to me, and you guys have just proven my point, when there are people in positions of power or authority, whether that's because of politics, whether that's because of their athletic ability, whether that's because of their music ability, or just because they're celebrities and they're famous, it, it makes us, the, the society, and maybe just something inside of us, almost has to respond to these people. And it can be really polarizing, like sometimes it's like a really good response, sometimes it's a really bad response, and sometimes there's no response, which really does say something about, even even no response says something about you and about that person. And so tonight as we kick off our Advent series, we're gonna see another man that comes in a position of power and authority And we're going to see these polarizing responses to this man. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you open up to Matthew chapter 2. We're only going to look at a couple verses tonight. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So if you're not familiar with this story at all, these wise men, these magi come from miles and miles and miles away. They've kind of like looked at the constellations and the stars and they've heard about these prophecies of this king of the Jews or some people call it the Messiah. Some people call it the Christ, the anointed one and they've come from they've come from far to see hey we think that this prophecy that the king has finally come so they go to jerusalem and they and they they ask like where can we find the king of the jews and we see three different responses to jesus as king in these in these six verses The first response we see is actually from King Herod himself. They go to Herod, says, where can I find the king of the Jews? And Herod says, when he had heard this, that he was was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And if you know the story well, what happens next is Herod kind of tries to like manipulate the wise men. He kind of tries to say like, hey, I want to know more about this Messiah. I want to know more about this king, and so if you guys, if you guys go and find him, like, just, just come back to me and let me know, so I can, I can come and worship him as well, but what we, what we know happens is that he was actually fearful. He was actually angry. He actually was not happy that there was another king potentially coming to take his throne, and we see this a couple of verses later. Verse 16 says, then Herod when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. So Herod, in in fear and out of frustration, out of anger, that that maybe another king would come and take away his throne, maybe someone else would come and he would no longer be in power. That potentially there's someone that was coming that would take away his authority and that, that would be the one that sits on the throne. This led him to commit a, a mass genocide of every boy two years and younger, every, all these babies. And when we see this, like it's really hard to, to relate to that like like i'm sure there's nobody in this room who's like like yeah when i hear about jesus as king like yeah it makes me want to just go and, and kill babies right is that safe to say and if that's you like please come talk to me after we we'd love to we'd love to talk to you about that but i think something there's something subtle in the motivation behind king herod that actually if we think about it we could probably relate to a little more and that is that we Hate, I'm speaking for myself as well, we hate to give up authority. We hate to let someone else tell us what to do or how to live or how to act or what to wear or where to go. Some of you probably just experienced this like a week ago. You go home for Thanksgiving after months or years of being in college and kind of making your own decisions, getting your own food, deciding when you're gonna go to bed, when you're gonna do homework, who you're gonna hang out with, what you're gonna be involved with. Then all of a sudden you go home and it's like, boom, we're right back to high school. My parents are telling me when I have to come home, who I can and can't hang out with, what car I can and can't drive. And, it's, and it kind of frustrates us. Like, like, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I mean, culture would agree with this as well. Like, hey, you do you, live your truth, whatever you want to do, anything you desire, go for it. Take it, do it. Like, anything, go for it. And we hate, we kind of get frustrated and maybe even a little angry When someone tells us, hey, you can't do that, or hey, you should do this instead. When I was little, my nickname was the Me Do Kid. Like, that's what my parents would call me, like the Me Do Kid. Even when I was like two, three, four, five, I would, my first words, maybe not my first words, but some of my first words were Me Do, Me Do. And what would happen is I'd be in a situation where Either I, I broke something or I lost something or, like, I couldn't open something, and my parents would see that I was, like, clearly struggling, and they'd come over, like, hey, Joshua, like, hey, can we, like, can we help you with this? Like, can we, can we help you find that? Can we, can we help you fix this? Can we help you open that? And my, my response was the same every single time. No, me do, me do, me do. And I'd never be able to fix it, never be able to find it, never be able to open it, but yet I had this thing, even at a young age, where it's like, no, I, I, like, I want to be self-reliant. I want to do things on my own. And I think a lot of us, if we're being honest, kind of fuel that or at least act that way when it comes to this relationship with Christ. Something in your life is, is broken. Maybe something feels just, just lost or out of order. Maybe there's doors that you just want so desperately to open and you're trying so hard and you just, no matter how hard you try, you can't fix it, you can't open these doors, you can't find what you're looking for. And Jesus steps in and says, hey, let me me help you. Let me redeem that. Let me fix that. Let me open those doors for you. I want to, I'm willing to. And yet our pride, our self-reliance, this attitude of me do no i got this like like i'm going to do this i don't need anyone's help and so when when jesus comes in as king he says if anyone would follow me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me to follow jesus means that you are no longer in control that you no longer call the shots When we say Jesus is Lord, right, a lot of times it's like, hey, I believe, we say, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, which is great. But Lord means that he's, a, he's in charge. Lord means that he's the, the authority. And a lot of us, when, when we really look, look in, inside ourselves and we really understand what Jesus calls us to, we push back and our response is actually, fear and anger. And so the second response that we see is actually from the chief priests and the scribes. In the next verses we see, assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now on the surface, this doesn't really look like much at all. But I think if we take a step back, if something crazy happens. The reason that Herod and the wise men go to the chief priests and the scribes, is because they know the scriptures like the back of their hand. They know every single Old Testament prophet. They have the Torah memorize, like they know all the stories, all the things, they know everything. And so they come to them and say, hey, we think that the Messiah is here. Like the King of the Jews has finally come. Like, where are we supposed to look? Like, remind me again where he's going to be born at. And they quote Micah, just off the top of their head, they quote Micah and and tell him like, the the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. But what happens next is crazy. The wise men, the magi, they go off to Bethlehem. And what do the chief priests and the scribes do? Nothing. They go back to their routines, their disciplines, their religion. Like if if they've been waiting for four 100 years for this Messiah, 400 years, and someone comes and says, hey, we've looked at the stars, we've looked at the constellations, like the king is, is here. Like, I would think that they would at least be curious, that they would at least want to go with them, that they would at least want to say, we just got we got to find out if this is true or not, but they don't. They just go back to their daily routines and rhythms. And again, if I had to guess in this room, myself as well, how often do we do this, especially those of you that grew up in a Christian home? You know the stories, you know the verses. If someone asks a question about the Bible, you probably know the answer. You might be the first one to raise your hand and you know the answer. But when it comes to to following Jesus, to having this actual relationship, it's so easy for us to feel numb and apathetic. We We have it all in here so well. We have so many verses in here. We memorized John 3.16 when we were five. And we could quote it right now and feel nothing. And I don't, think it's all, I don't think it's all your fault. The more I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking about the, the, the society, the culture that y'all have grown up in this instant gratification that we always need to find what's next, what's new, what are they doing, what is she doing? Like, we just gotta keep, keep going what's next. And sometimes we treat Christianity like that. Sometimes we treat following Jesus like that. We're just thinking about, when can I have this next, like, experience, this next Camp High, this next whatever? We're always looking for the, for the next thing, something new, something novel. We do this with food, at least I do. So my wife and I, we just had a baby less than six weeks ago, and something crazy happens when you have a kid, okay? This is, this is incredible. People bring you so much food. Like, it's amazing. There's these things called meal trains. If you haven't heard of it, you'll hear about it one day. Look forward to this day. Where like three times a week, someone will text me and say, hey, what do you, what do you and Lauren want for dinner tonight? And one thing Lauren and I have, have realized and we've joked about is that like we never know the answer to that. We'll be like, I don't know, what are you feeling? I don't know, like, how about... Thai food. Now nah, we, we had that nine days ago. What, what else? What else? Okay. How about, how about pizza? Like, okay, what, what pizza? And we just like, it depends, depends where it is. By the way, if you want like a list, like a ranking of the best pizza in Fayetteville, I got you. Okay. Come find me after. I'll tell you, like, I'm not even saying this is my opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm calling this one fact. Like this is the best. Okay. I'll tell you right now. Okay. Top three, okay? I'll just give you the top three. I've got a list for pizza, Thai food, coffee shops, ice cream, Burton's, of course. I mean, right? I think Andy's is a little bit better. <laughs> okay, top three pizzas. Sorry, sorry. Top three pizzas. I know that's why you're here. Number one might surprise you Wicked Woodfire Pizza. Have you been? Have you been? Can somebody testify? I mean, Wicked Woodfire Pizza. If you haven't been, it's by Fossil Cove. They have beer there, look out. Look out, they've got beer there. But Fossil Cove Pizza, I mean, I mean Wicked Woodfire Pizza, the best, the best in Fayetteville. Like, I'll, I'll stake my reputation on it. Number two, technically it's in Johnson, but we're gonna count it. It's a new place called Pizzeria Ruby. You heard of it? You haven't heard of it? Okay. Pizzeria Ruby, go there. It's right next to the new Onyx. It's amazing. And third, okay, third, this one, I'm gonna get some hate mail for this one, but I believe in this, okay? I believe in this. Number three, Whole Foods Pizza. Somebody disagree with me right now. I dare you. Disagree with me. You cannot, Whole Foods Pizza? Oh man, go for lunch, get the slices, it's so good. If you wanna go crazy, get the do- buy the dough and the toppings yourself and go cook it at home. Great date night. Guys, guys in the room with girlfriends, great date night, okay? It's amazing. What were we talking about? Just kidding. Apathy? Apathy. <laughs> Let's go to the third point. How about that? Maybe that's the problem with us, is that we just get so distracted by things that don't matter. So let's talk, about, let's talk about the third thing. We've seen a response to Jesus as king. One of the responses is anger. One of the responses is apathy. And the third response from the wise man, the response that we should long for, the response that we should emulate, is this response of awe. Okay, it's a response of of awe. Here's, going back to the first two verses, we see that Jesus, once once the wise men hear about Jesus being born in Bethlehem, that the the king has come, they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Their response is worship. And a good question would be, Well, what does that look like? What does worship look like? Well, a few verses later, we see how they worship Jesus. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This this is what worship looks like. Notice this. And again, we have to, I know most of you have grown up hearing these stories, these Christmas stories, time and time and time again, and we we have become numb, and we have become apathetic to it. But if it's even possible tonight to to take a step back, like this response would just be radical. This response would be, would be crazy. That they go, these, these wise men travel hundreds and hundreds of miles. These wise men come from so far, take up so much time, and they come to this baby, a baby, like a child that you would hold in your hands, in your arms. They, they come to this baby, and they fall down on their knees, and they just worship him. They fall down in front of a baby, and they just, they worship him. And then they get up, and they brought so many gifts. They bring gold, they bring frankincense, and they bring myrrh. This stuff is not cheap. They bring gold, which is so expensive, but it represents royalty. It represents kingship. They bring this frankincense, which, it, which is an incense. It's something that priests would use. And so bringing these, they, they, they say, Jesus, he's king. Jesus, he's the priest. And then they bring this myrrh, which is what you would use for Burials. It's like you prepare the dead with it, and so they not only say Jesus, this Jesus is the King. This Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the priests, but this King, this priest is going to go, and he's going to die for his people and for his kingdom. This is the man that we will worship. This is the king that we want to serve. And this should be our response. We worship what we value. The things that we spend the most time thinking about, the most time doing, the most time talking about, the most money on, those are the things that we're actually worshiping. And yet if you're anything like me we give Jesus just this little fraction. I'll give him an hour or two on Sunday, maybe maybe an hour during the week. I'll I'll give him maybe a little bit of money if I have a, if I have some excess. Maybe I'll talk about him unless I'm feeling scared. And so the problem is we don't we we've forgotten we've forgotten the beauty, the majesty, the worth of Jesus. And because of that, we've we've focused on ourselves too much, which causes us to respond in anger and to reject his authority, or we care about other things too much. And so when it comes to Jesus, we respond in apathy. And yet, if we were to really see the worth of Jesus, if we were to really understand his, his glory, really understand that, this, that God himself came down to earth taking the form of a baby, like how humbling could that be? Taking the form of a servant coming to die for you. This is This is the Jesus that we worship. So I'm begging you, as we come into this Christmas season, this Advent season, it's so easy to just go through the motions, to to sing the songs, to, to do these routines and disciplines that we're so used to doing every year. And I'd ask you before you just go through the motions to stop and to think, to ask yourself, how have I been responding to Jesus? Do I value him? Do I know him? Do I love him? And so I'd love if we even took the next few minutes. Repent where you need to repent. Respond the way that we should respond. And then when we all sing together tonight, I pray that it wouldn't just be empty words on a screen, but that we would be giving Jesus the glory, that we would be praising him, that we would be truly worshiping him and reminding ourselves of how great he is. Let's pray. Father, we, we repent that we have missed the mark. Whether it's growing up in a Christian home or the Bible Belt or probably just our own sinful flesh, Lord, we, we have grown so numb, we have forgotten who you are and what you've done. So I pray tonight that you would just remind us of that, that we would truly give you worship, not just out of routine or because it's something that we always do, but because you're worthy of it. And it's the least that we could do. So we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.